Welcome back, boils and ghouls, to Handle with Scare, a horror podcast brought to you by Tomally Drunk and Holly Hooch. Be sure to stay connected with us via social media on Twitter at Handle with Scare. You can email the podcast at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com and find more information on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Holly. And Holly, you know, I, hey. I, I know... You know, you just got back from your trip. Uh, we're uh-huh. trying to, I, I don't want to say like speed run through this. No, uh, not speed run but, for sure. You know, we've been, <laughs> you're trying to, we've you're been trying talking. To beat the clock. We've been it's talking. Falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, time's, time is of the essence right now. And, you know, in any, <laughs> in any minute, you know, you might get struck down by lightning. We don't know. Like you, you just traveled through a, a hurricane and now you're back, mm-hmm. back in Cali and we got all this stuff going on. And amidst all of this, you know, over the past month, we have been talking about pedophobia and the fear of children and a deep diving into all of these killer kid movies. And tonight, mm-hmm. tonight we are wrapping that phobia up with a ni- with nice, babies. nice little bow. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of we turn back the clock a little bit with our selection for this week. And, you know, it was one that I had never seen, but one I'd, I've always heard about. And Same. You know, it's it's not going to be every week where you and I get to sit down and talk about a movie right. that we both haven't seen. So this might be one of the it's few exciting, yeah. times that uh, we'll actually be able to do this. So why don't you go ahead and introduce a movie and we will get right into it. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So this week we're doing The Bat Seed, which uh, the the one that we're talking about is the 1956 version. Correct. Uh, there was a later 80s version that I have been told not to watch. So that's what we're not going to do. We're <laughs> not going to watch the 80s version. Also, this movie is based off of a play that was uh, uh, fairly uh, critically acclaimed and a lot of uh-huh. the... Uh, some of the negative reviews were, were sort of uh, based on comparing the movie to the play. Additionally, a lot of the cast members in the movie were from the original play as well. So it's it's got a little bit of pedigree. And like you were saying, it's one of those movies that whenever you look up this type of genre, it comes up. It's 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 the the quintessential, you know, murderous kids movie. And I had never seen it either, or, or maybe I'd seen parts of it, like maybe some 25 years ago, but didn't remember it at all, really. Knew, knew the plot, and uh, but I was like, okay, let's watch it. Uh, uh, well, and before I go on, though, I definitely want to get your first takes on it. Okay, so first takes, knowing that, you know, this was a, a black and white movie. As I black said, like, mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't watched a ton of genre pieces uh, earlier than, like, 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, there's, of course, going to be a bit of an adjustment, at least from, like, viewing a movie, uh, just mm-hmm. because a lot, like, I, I messaged you, like, when I was, like, halfway through the movie, and I was talking <laughs> yeah. about, like, just how dramatic everything is and how yes, drawn out dramatic. everything mm-hmm. is. And, you know, a lot of that is also because they did have a lot of the actors and the actresses uh, from the play production of it in the movie. And, you know, like, one of the things that uh, really kind of, like, caught me by surprise you know, already knowing that it was based on a play, like they did a curtain call at the end of the movie, yes. which is extremely it, uncommon. Like that's just not something you yes. see in the movie. So I thought that was very unique. 
when I saw the movie, I didn't know the background. I I wanted to you know see it fresh and then research it afterwards. And so seeing that that what you were you know the curtain call like you were saying it it was I was wondering like why would you do that? Although they it was a really good way to sort of disarm the tension from the movie from 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 the the, the plot twist and all that good stuff. And then the little girl gets a spanking, and I was like, yeah. You learn your lesson, Rhoda. Stop killing people. <laughs> but uh, yes, I was very impressed with the movie. Uh, I when I saw your message, I was like, well, you know, I can, you know, sometimes classic just means old, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean good. But I started watching it black and white, kind of moved slowly, and also there's no violence on screen. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of uh, 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 detailed by somebody, you know, but but by one of the characters or maybe implied. Uh, but when you when they talk about the murders, like it's they're they're well, they're they're I would say they're vicious, but they're also very easily done. I was right. like, oh, well, you know, I could probably pull that off, too. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, to be fair, it was so easily done that a child could do it. So, like, I exactly. I would I would hope you would be able to imitate or recreate it in some fashion, you know, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So yes, watching the movie, I, um, I was just really, really impressed and, you know, it took me a little bit. Right. And, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden, like it kind of, it hits you when you start seeing it through the eyes of a 1956 audience where the, uh, all the major characters are women and a lot of the, the themes, uh, well, it's, I just thought it was really impressive. Like, you know, you got Monica, the, the sort of the, the owner of the building, who's really intelligent and kind of bossy, but self-aware at the same time and always talking about psychology, but missing this big old like psycho who's right in front of her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was just very fascinating. And then, all right, you know what? Let's get into the plot. Why don't you go ahead and do the plot rundown? Cause you're so much better than I am. And then we'll get into these like nice little layers and tidbits. All right. So, you know, I'm not going to go into like the, the actual intro because like, that, like, one of the things that I was really pleased with is hearing a lot of, like, the big band, uh, like, orchestral stuff at the start sure. of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of, like, going through, uh, like, one of the uh, thunderstorms, which will come into play way, way later in the movie. Which, you know, you t- you mentioned the spanking during a casting uh, call <laughs> or curtain call. Well, that that is just a slap on the wrist compared to what actually happens to finish this movie. <laughs> uh, but anyways, fantastic. Uh, so we're introduced to Rhoda, who <clears throat> spoilers is is the bad seed in this movie, uh, and we we meet her mother, and they're basically like seeing the father off, who is uh, working in the army, and he's basically departing for Washington D.C., and he's gonna be gone for like a month. A month. A whole month. All right. A so, whole four weeks. So, you and know. Rhoda just gets to work right away. <laughs> yeah, doesn't waste any time. So one of the things I thought was very interesting, like, really early on is we, you know, you start to see that relationship between the dad and Rhoda where uh, the father is basically picking up a lot of, like, mannerisms and, uh, like, slain, basically, from his younger daughter, who I, I want to say, like, she's eight years old in this movie. Yes, she is. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're introduced to Monica, who uh, likes to gift Rhoda a lot of presents. Uh, she gives her a rhinestone sunglasses, as well as a necklace. Uh, but they of were course, both awesome. Yeah, like, stunning shades, and then the necklace, unfortunately, didn't have, like, a proper uh, gem in it. Birthstone, so, yeah. you know, Monica offered to get it swapped out, and, you know, 
Rhoda, man, this little girl knows exactly what she wants. You know, she has that sass, she has that attitude, but she she doesn't let anything stand in between her way and get in the things that she wants. So when Monica says, like, hey, like, we could swap out the stone, she's like, well, can I keep both? <laughs> it's like, wait. <laughs> what? Are you, what? Monica's like, I love you. You are so sassy. You know what you want. You know how to get it. I love you. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I relate pretty hard to Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's move on yeah monica base is like you know she knows what she wants and she asks for it and that's exactly <laughs> what she do- she does uh so then we are introduced to leroy who is basically like the handyman uh who mm-hmm. Mon- monica likes to look down upon quite a bit in this movie uh but to be fair he's a piece of shit he Go on. yes he, he is <laughs> so monica kind of sees him more as like a simpleton basically yeah uh and you know like Rhoda's mom, basically, in this movie, doesn't doesn't have, like, the same point of view towards Leroy. She thinks, like, basically, like, you know, he doesn't mean any harm. You know, he comes and goes. But, you know, he's helping she, around the house and everything. She's more graceful about her interactions with him in general. Like, she she doesn't put him down. And she she has a very healthy sort of concern about him and, mm-hmm. and tries to keep a distance. But she's also really respectful about it, generally. So it, I think it just sort of, like, speaks to her, gen, uh, to her overall graceful demeanor and just the kind of like really kind person that she is which is you know quite the twist Mm -hmm. as we later find out uh between her background and her foreground that being her baby yeah so one of the biggest things at the start of this movie is rhoda being upset about this penmanship right in metal that uh she did (laughs) not win And she cared about that. <laughs> she will travel to the moon and let nothing stand in her way in order to obtain said medal, which comes into play uh, with one of the first incidents that we see in this movie. Uh, so, you know, really early on, we get to see uh, basically Rhoda like coming out of the house and Leroy is watering like some plants in the front yard of this apartment complex. Uh, mm-hmm. And he purposely just sprays Rhoda with with the hose uh, as the family like leaves the, the house. Nicest apartment yes. complex. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you know, Monica sees this and is all hot headed and looks to basically fire Leroy on the spot. Uh, and you know, Rhoda is just not happy about this because you know she's like, okay, you know, you did that deliberately. There's no way. There's no way you did not do that on purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, her her mom kind of steps in between them. So the the tension doesn't really escalate too much, but that is definitely going to change later on uh, in this movie. So already, like, you know, we we see Leroy up to antics. We hear a lot of his dialogue saying, like, you know, uh, Mr. Penmark is, you know, out of town. I don't know if he's actually going to try to make a move on Mrs. Penmark at any point. Oh, that's but... right. The uh, so good lonely. <laughs> yeah. Comment. Yeah. There's, oh, there's, there's that creepy tease about it. Uh, but, you know, nothing really ever comes of, of that anyway. Uh, so we, we basically get to this uh, picnic that uh, Miss Fern is putting on. And Miss Fern is Rhoda's teacher. Uh, and Mrs. Penmark is there to talk to Rhoda's teacher about uh, her daughter and, you know, how she always is, like, the symbol of perfection. Uh, and she's, you know, kind of worried about how Rhoda is fitting in with the other kids in this school. 
So she's basically worried right now about her daughter's maturity for her age. And she's basically just wanting Rhoda to act more like a child. <laughs> because she definitely does not act like a child. Uh, she might be childish at times uh, with her mannerisms or, you know, just her... Uh, her, her vocabulary or just the way that she treats others. Uh, but, you know, she she doesn't really seem to play well with others. You know, she's often just kind of like by herself. You know, she has her teeth well, set. She's a psychopath and she is meticulous and she is exacting. So, like, that's not those are not characteristics that kids are particularly drawn to. Mm -hmm. That is true. So she's kind of... Uh, Kind of a one-of-a-kind child in this school. Uh, so during this picnic, there's an incident that occurs uh, where one of the kids is drowned in the bay. Uh, and that's something that we actually learned through a radio broadcast. And there's a lot of like different conversations going on with the adults. And a lot of it kind of stems around psychology and kind of like writing about like murder mysteries mm -hmm. as well. Uh, we know, that was neat. I like that. Yeah, we know that, like, Mrs. Penmark's dad uh, was a writer. Uh, and, you know, she even, like, uses a writing angle to try to, like, ease her way into, like, looking for more answers. And one of the right. things, Holly, that really stood out to me about this movie is the whole element of the nature versus nurture aspect of psychology yeah, I agree. and whether or not... Uh, someone becomes a killer based off of, you know, her, uh, hereditary means or nature if it's versus nurture based yeah. off of their environment. And I, this might've been like the first time something like that was actually brought up, uh, in, in a movie. I like, I, this is so long ago. Like, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would predate that. I agree. And that was the other thing that I thought was so cool. I mean, like not only, um, uh, was, this this movie like sort of like talking about these fairly taboo subjects, but uh, in general, you know, because they're you know the they're, they're killing this kid off, they're killing this other person off, but uh, having these really in depth psych uh, conversations about psychology, and um and then having like all of these like female characters in the forefront, I was like that's interesting for a 50s movie you know mm -hmm. and this movie got like four uh oscar nominations it didn't win any but all of uh, i think four of the 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 the, the uh, all four of the lead females got nominated for oscars so you know it kind of goes to show how cool like what, a, what what kind of an impact this movie was having on its on its audience so right and like one of the biggest i actually felt pretty contented with uh where they landed where i mean uh um mom over here is arguing pretty hard for nurture versus nature. That being that, you know, Oh, well, you know, I've always imagined that it's a, you know, a, a person's environment and, and uh, you know, not at all having to do with uh, where they, you know, uh, the, the, you know, biology or whatnot. And then I can't remember who that person was that came in and was sort of like answering all these questions for her and was say like, Oh no, no. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these killers start off pretty young, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. some as young as 10. And she's like, damn it. And he's like, well, take Mozart for example. And so he starts going out after all, he starts listing um, all these different uh, artists or famous people that, that are, that were very highly skilled in one in one area and said like, well, they had to get started early. And so kind of explain the way that killers can get that way too, which was, I thought was really interesting. And I was going to finish this thought, but I didn't want to jump ahead too much. Mm -hmm. But just by saying that the movie later on uh, talks about like, well, 
we we do believe that it's nurture versus nature, but there are one in a million that can be born just a little bit off. And then the boom, there you go. You, you've got a you got a you got a psycho killer. Yep. Then you have a bad seed. Uh, but anyway, you got a bad seed. Yeah. Get in. Get in back to the radio broadcast when we are learning about the boy who drowns during this picnic event. Uh, basically, like we learned, he basically fell into the water from the pier, uh, and he appeared to have bruises on his hands. Now, for a while, you know, we're kind of strung along, and obviously, we know uh, that. Something happened. Uh, Rhoda is actually seen on the pier by one of the guards. So, you know, little suspicious right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it slowly starts to unravel over the course of this movie. Uh, and it all does kind of like eventually boil down to the fact that this boy is the one who won the penmanship medal that Rhoda so desperately <laughs> demanded to have, right? Like <laughs> Man, he, he should have really lost that contest, that poor little boy. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh man. oh man uh so you know when when mrs penmark hears about this she doesn't really know how to process it or how to like talk to rhoda about it uh, because you know when she was eight she didn't know anything about death or how to you know process those sort of emotions and when she sits down to talk to rhoda about it Rhoda is not phased in the slightest by any of this she basically saw uh, them take the boy out of the water. Uh, and the only thing at the time that she was interested in doing was eating because they did not actually get to have lunch at this picnic because of the incident. <laughs> like, she's like, I want I want my peanut butter sandwich. Like, you know, I don't care I about now? this. <laughs> that was great. I was like, damn, just give her a sandwich. Oh, and okay. So then um, one of my favorite parts, which I think happens right after this, which is where the 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 head of the school, uh, the school mistress comes to visit uh, to have a conversation with Rhoda's mom, whose name I've completely forgotten for some reason. But um, it, it was such a hilarious conversation where she's like, "Well, you know, she was there, right? You know, it was weird, right?" And mm -hmm. Rhoda's mom's like, "Well, are you saying something that she was responsible or something?" She's like, "No, no, 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 not at all, not at all." But you don't want her to come back to school. Yeah, that would be for the best. So something happened. No, no, nothing happened. But she can't come back. Yeah, that would be for the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious that she would not articulate her suspicions, but it was ultimately saying like, yeah, but you, you should not come back to school. though. <laughs> yeah, it was basically like, are you saying my daughter has anything to do with this? Well, she was in the no. area, but I'm not saying that she was. But you're implying it. No, 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 no. Oh, no, well, no, no, she's, no. She's welcome, right? No. No, she's like, not. She uh, should stay here with you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But that was a pretty solid scene, yeah. Yeah, so Mrs. Penmark is uh, Christine. Just an FYI. Christine, think. Oh, that's right. That's right, because it's such a, such a nice name, Christine. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after this, enter, enter Drunk Mom. Is that right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mrs. Daigle, who is Daigle, yes. drunk throughout basically all of this movie after her boy drowns. And, uh, you know, who can blame her? I mean, she's uh, got pretty close to that Oscar. She's, I'll tell you that. she's processing her, her grief in her own way. Uh, you know, whether or not her husband likes the way that she's processing it is another story because he's constantly kind of like calling Christine about, you know, his wife's whereabouts because uh, she keeps stumbling over. About it. Right. Yeah, like he's definitely like the. You know, if she's red, he's beige. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like she, she, she really acted her butt off too. That was the, every time she came on the scene, I was like, yes, 
just because she's she was really fantastic. Actually, mm-hmm. I was I was really impressed with that. Yeah, one of the other fifties mom. Yeah, one of the other uh, interesting interactions that we had, even slightly before this, was between Rhoda and Leroy. Uh, and Leroy was basically oh, yes. like giving her a very hard time about the boy who drowned. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had this little back and forth where Rhoda was basically like, you know, I don't care. I'm not concerned about it because it wasn't me who drowned. So like, why should I feel oh, anything? Basically, yes. <laughs> so, when she goes roller skating, yeah. It's like, man, this. This girl has no Ooh. chill at all. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's too much chill. I can't tell. I it's, don't know. It's one of the two. But anyways, when Mrs. Daigle uh, hits the scene, uh, she says, you know, like, this penmanship metal has disappeared. It uh, wasn't found on uh, her, her son's body when they pulled his body from the lake. And she was wanting to know where it was. And, of course, who would have it? Rhoda. Typical. Has it. Typical. Yes. Unbelievable. But she was, she was in the same sort of like she, she kind of did the same, you know, tactic as mm-hmm. the schoolmistress, where she was saying like, well, did did he win it? Like, what, what, did he cheat? No, he won it. Like, it was totally his. Then why were you trying to take it from? So she was also like hugging her and like uh, being semi nice because she's still drunk and really distraught. But but also like you know. Uh, sort of blaming her between the lines right right and so so she she knows but she can't come she she also can't come to terms with it either so she won't say it out loud which yeah that was that was pretty neat yeah i so, like that too <laughs> yeah we learned that rhoda was actually the last to see the boy alive uh before he drowned and you know they basically recalled kind of like the events that occurred saying that she had to be stopped from attempting to take the medal away from Claude who's the boy mm-hmm. who drowned uh so basically the guards saw Rhoda coming off of the wharf heading back to uh you know the picnic to join all the festivities that were going on and you know that's when you know we kind of came to terms with not inviting Rhoda back to the school uh, due to her behavior over how she was acting over this metal. Uh, right. So, so, you know, right now it seems like the school is like, okay, you know, they're kind of like going back and forth. They don't want another incident to happen. And, you know, they're they're playing kind of like the cautionary tale. They don't want to admit that they have a killer kid on their hands, but they also don't want to, like, outright say, like, yeah, your daughter's a murderer, so we just, you know, we just can't have that. Uh, so a lot a lot of the back and forth here is between, uh, you know, Mrs. Daigle and you know, Rhoda's mother. And it, it seems like at the end of the day, you know, they're just trying to figure out, all right, did Rhoda actually have something to do with this? And, you know, of course, we'll learn that she was the reason behind the boys drowning because of the metal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are just a series of events that have occurred in Rhoda's life even before this incident. This is not like the first time that she's actually accidentally hurt or injured oh, yes. or killed someone, uh, which we'll learn a little bit later on. Uh, that was nuts. <laughs> Did you want to just tell him she killed an old lady? <laughs> Sorry. I yeah. Yes. Yeah, she basically like fell down some stairs it, like they were icy but like she she stumbled on purpose into her which caused the lady to fall down <laughs> just so she could get this um i don't know what you call it it's kind of it looks kind of like a snow globe except that it's it's filled all the way and it has a fish in it it's not a, an aquarium but it you know it's round 
Mm-hmm. And it's pretty. And uh, the lady was saying, oh, you can have this when I'm gone. And that just was not soon enough for Rhoda. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was. I thought that was pretty impressive, too. Uh, so at this point, we've gone to, okay, she's met with uh, Diglo, um, the mom. She has, uh, the, the story about the old lady has come out. Um, oh, now we're coming to the great scene where, uh, Christine has invited over her father to have dinner and, um, uh, as well as, um, that other gentleman who was also, uh, um, a researcher and had a lot of information about, um, killers and, and, you know, all sorts of, uh, tidbits about psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where a lot of the nature versus nurture discussion comes into play. Yes. And I know they even kind of like recall some, uh, other, killers that kind of like came before their time and they kind of mm-hmm. like pinpointed on one of the women killers who uh had an asphyxiation for using poisons to murder her victims right uh which is <laughs> something that comes into play with like one of the bigger twists in this movie uh later on but you know a, a lot of that just kind of kind of paints a picture of all right, maybe, you know, there's something else kind of like going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we're kind of like under this veil right now and it's slowly going to start to open and then we start to have more explanations for why Rhoda is the way that she is. Because Christine has this ongoing fear that she is adopted. And this is something that she brings up during this conversation and, you know, she, she might find it silly at times, but, you know, she's just, she's laid it all out there uh, during, you know, these interactions with these other adults. And, no, it, it really hit close to home. It, you know, she hasn't really felt like she knows who she is at that point in time. Right. And uh, it, she does eventually, she has this conversation with her dad, right, and recalls uh, and recalls to him this this nightmare, this recurring nightmare that she has where she is uh, stranded um, because she's run away from home. And she remembers certain uh, figures in her life, uh, like a um, like a motherly figure and then a brother, but then the brother disappears and then she runs away. And she remembers her mother calling to her, but her not responding to her because she's afraid of her mother mm-hmm. and, and hiding in, the, in what I believe was like the reeds in, near a pond or something. And... <clears throat> And it comes and it all comes out because she starts to recall the name that uh, that that her mother was calling her. And essentially, she she finally comes to the realization that she is adopted and that she uh, was adopted from the family of that that female serial killer that they were discussing earlier. The one who was smart enough to use different poisons. And she as soon as she was suspected of killing somebody, she would move to a completely different part of the world and do it all over again. And she was very beautiful and she had a good smile. And so nobody could believe that she was a murderer. And uh, and her dad finally like breaks down and and confesses that this is true. Yeah, heavy stuff. Uh, so heavy stuff. After you know, after the whole psychological analysis of her her dream, uh, we see Monica dropping by to pick up the necklace uh, to replace the stone in it. Uh, Ooh, before we move on, though, there was mm-hmm. one part that I was like, "Isn't this fucking rad?" Okay. So at one part where uh, when Christine is really beating herself up about where she comes from and what that means for Rhoda. She, she balls up her fist and I don't know if you caught this, but she beats her womb with, I mean, like, uh, she only does like two hits 
and they seem and they don't they don't seem very mellow. I mean, they're a little melodramatic, but they can they might have like snuck by you because they weren't, you know, like super focused on. But uh, but I caught them. She beats her womb with her fists because she's unsure of what came out of her because she might her herself be a bad seed. Interesting. All right. All right. It was cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I caught that. So getting back to the necklace, basically Monica's dropping by to pick up the necklace in order to replace the stone. That way, you know, Rhoda can have two stones necklace, uh, you know, and uh, come to find out Mrs. Penmark goes to get this necklace from uh, the jewelry box that it's in. And what's inside it but this penmanship medal dun, dun, that Rhoda dun. has been fawning over uh, since the beginning of the movie, basically. Uh, so, you know, Rhoda returns inside and her mother shows her the medal. And immediately, you know, Christine is starting to question Rhoda about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth here where, you know, Rhoda is trying to, you know, have the typical interaction that she has with her dad because they right. do the whole, you know, what, uh, what would you give me if I ha- gave you like a thousand kisses? And, you know, they. It was they, a basket <laughs> of kisses. And you would answer. A lamp to the head. <laughs> but but that's just UT. Yeah. The answer to that would be a basket of hugs or basket of kisses. Yeah, so she's <laughs> she's Rhoda is basically trying to ham it up at any opportunity that she get to like portray mm-hmm. like that perfect little angel that's because her tactic, her manipulation tactic mm-hmm. and changing the subject and yeah, she's really good at it too. Yeah, so completely dodging her mother's questioning uh, about the metal. Uh, and, you know, eventually Rhoda does start to open up a little bit more, saying that, you know, yes, she was on the wharf, uh, but she didn't bother Claude, you know, she wasn't, like, trying to poke at him in regards to the metal. Uh, and, you know, eventually she's like, well, you know, I was going to offer him 50 cents in order for me to wear the metal for the rest of the day. Uh, and, you know, like, just knowing where this family lives, you know, it's... It's not a small building. Like, it's, uh, she probably nice has some, it's a very nice apartment complex. And hey, I, I'm sure, about to move to a house. I, I'm sure she probably just stole the money from her mom or from yeah. Monica or, you know, whoever. She has access. She has access. Absolutely. So that's when we have the mother recalling, you know, another, you know, accident in the past. And this is the one that we'd aforementioned uh, with the woman oh, falling yes. down the that's stairs. Uh, and, you know, she starts to connect the dots, basically. You know, she starts to have that realization, like, oh, oh, crap, like, there might physically be something wrong with my daughter at this point. But I don't think she's fully behind the idea as of yet, because this is well before she learns her actual identity uh, in all of this. So once that right. moment hits, that's when everything really starts to sink in for uh, Christine. Oof. That was a tough one. And I really like the uh, how they ended up doing that. So she she probes Rhoda a little bit and, it you know, Rhoda's pretty smart and she's trying to keep it from her. And then finally, she just spills the bean about bees about everything. Right. I mean, her mom has to push her quite a bit, but she does get to the point where she tells her exactly everything that happened. And then you you really get a, a really strong visual. And I think it was um, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but. They, she gives like a little bit of the story of how like, you know, they got to this um, um, water shed or whatever boathouse, right? It's a boathouse or something like that. And, um, and how he fell in the water and then very slowly revealing these little details until you get the full picture that um, she 
uh, she, I think she pushes him in the water, but he tries to pull himself up and she takes her shoe, which has this little metal tap on it, like a little, like a, like a tap shoe, um, which is there to uh, prolong the life of the shoes. And she loves the little sound that it makes. She's always clacking with them and she's taken the shoe and she has beaten this kid with it. And so he has marks on his forehead because as he's trying to come up, she's hitting him on the head. And as he's trying to come up, she's also hitting him on, on the back of the hands so that he's not, so that he can't hold on to the pier. So it's, 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 it paints a vicious picture, but it, they do it in such a slow way that it really like, they paint it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they do. So that was, that was pretty great. And then the other part that from this, that I, that I thought was pretty ingenious was that because she's eight, she does still have a certain level of innocence. Mm-hmm. And that being that she spills the beans to her mom and because she's a sociopath, she kind of feels like, okay, well, now she knows she still loves me. Now we're in this together. And so she has a sort of innocence with her mother where she's telling her the truth about everything because then she, uh, Christine does ask her about the the old woman. She's like, well, did she really slip? She was like, well, yes. And then she's like, but I slipped first because the, the steps were icy. And then you realize that I slipped into her and I did it on purpose. And so she very slowly like comes out with the truth, but eventually gets out there. But then she still has this weird innocence where she she doesn't see why her mom would not love her after mm-hmm. her telling her that, right? And then just in, in sort of like lets her in on all the little things like, well, I got to burn the shoes now, mom. And mom's like, yes, let's burn the shoes. Well, right before that, though, she tries to be sneaky about it. She's got her tap shoes behind her and she's going to put them down the incinerator and her mom has to wrestle them out of her. And that's, I guess that's when all of the story comes out, right? When she finds the shoes. Right. And, um, uh, <laughs> but then mom's sort of on board. Like she definitely doesn't want her to get caught. And so, yeah, shoes go down the incinerator. So that was a pretty pivotal moment there when mom decides to like, you know, back her <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So that, that's a little bit of head of, uh, where, where I was at, but, um, I, I want to talk. So sorry. That's all good. So, uh, you know, after, you know, the whole neighbor fallen incident, uh, you know, we see that uh, Rhoda's father had actually sent her a new tea set uh, to play with. And we have another interaction here between Rhoda and Leroy outside where, you know, Leroy hears about what happened at the picnic about the boy drowning. Uh, and he's basically like prodding Rhoda for answers because like he knows that mm-hmm. or he believes that Rhoda was behind it or initially like maybe he's egging her on to see like what like gauging her sort of reaction because initially like he didn't fully believe it until mm-hmm. like Rhoda basically like snaps at him and then he's like oh wait like you you really did do this and a lot of it boils down to the shoes later on uh, but initially right. you know Leroy is exclaiming like you know, you hit that boy with the stick before you dropped him in that water, and then you threw the stick yeah. in the woods. But there's still blood on that stick, and, you know, the the police, they have uh, blood-sniffing dogs, basically. So they're <laughs> going to find the stick, and then they're going to trace it back to blue. you. Right. <laughs> it's going to turn it blue. <laughs> so... You well, know, he it's... has the same reaction as everybody else, which is mm-hmm. that he knows he actually does know the truth. Everybody knows the truth, but nobody's willing to admit it. And so they're all asking questions to, you know, they're asking for answers to that they already know. Right. Or they're asking mm-hmm. questions they already have answers to. And like and that's it was really interesting to see him when he when he goes from asking you know, those questions that he knows the answers to to actually getting the the validation and then freaking the fuck out, which he does. Because he, he does, you know, like he's been, he's been at her like all movie, right? Like he knows, 
And uh, and it wasn't until she admits it that like he kind of loses it because then he like it's real. It's not just like, you know, a theory. And I feel like that's that's the same thing with like, you know, with uh, with uh, Fern, the head fit mistress and mom and and uh, and Claude's mom. So that was interesting stuff. Yeah. So after we see Rhoda and Christine fighting over the bag uh, that has the shoes in it, uh, we, we start to get a, a more clear picture of what happened. So basically, uh, Claude ends up giving Rhoda the penmanship medal uh, after she struck him with the shoe the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then tried to run away and then Rhoda opted to hit him with the shoe again. Uh, so at this point, Claude was screaming uh, and afraid that someone was going to hear him, Rhoda just kept hitting him, only this time harder. And that's essentially when he fell into the water. And then, as you mentioned, right. you know, as he was trying to come off and, you know, grab Eesh. onto the ledge, she would smack him in the hands with the shoes as well. Uh, so <laughs> it's just like, man, you know, you, you get those little snippets and then it slowly yeah. starts to build more and more. And, you know, I, then, I know for the genre, we always talk about like less is more. And, you know, as we mentioned, like this movie really doesn't show anything, anything ever. in regards to the kills. Right. It's just uh, people recalling things, people or sounds at the very end. But we'll get to that later, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, yeah, I w- it was impressive because it just it does leave an impact the way that things were acted out and the way uh, I. Yeah, it was. That's some good shit. You should. Wa- if you're listening to this, you should go watch the bad seed. It's good stuff. OK, yeah. go on. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> available to rent on Amazon as well as YouTube. Uh, for a couple of dollars, it's like three bucks, or it's like two ninety nine, yeah, or like five bucks to buy uh, on YouTube or whatever. But- um, I said last week that it was available on this other app, and I even forgot the name of the app, and I got <laughs> so excited because I found it. I was like, I found it for free. I can save myself three whole dollars, <laughs> which is the price of a very cheap beer plus a tip. <laughs> and it turns out that that movie is not the real Bat Seed. That's a French movie about a French playboy from like nineteen forties. Don't 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 make that mistake. <laughs> it took me like 30 minutes to realize there was never going to be a little girl. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. maybe this couple gets married and then they have the bad seed. No, no, don't don't do that. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's let's move on. Yeah, lessons <laughs> learned from Holly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, at this point, Rhoda is trying to uh, sw- like snatch some matches basically off the table after asking mm-hmm. uh, her mother for some money so she can go out and buy a popsicle. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, again, we have another, uh, reappearance by Mrs. Daigle, still mm-hmm. stumbling over drunk, uh, looking to question Rhoda about, uh, her son's drowning again. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of back and forth here and a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things that happen between Mrs. Daigle and Rhoda. And I remember initially, like, Mrs. Daigle was wanting uh, Rhoda to, like, sit right next to her. And Rhoda definitely showed a lot of uh, hesitance to, right. uh, like, actually approach her. And, you know, part of me was like, all right, you're just going to pull her in and then you're just going to suffocate her, right? Nope, that did not happen. <laughs> or, like, you're just going to violently shake her, right? That didn't happen either. Uh, so, nope. like, every way that I thought that that particular moment was going to play out did not actually happen. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Maybe I just expected something else knowing the uh, condition that Mrs. Daigle was in at the time because she was constantly stumbling, slurring her words. Right. She was worse for wear uh, after mm-hmm. everything that's happened. And she she just doesn't have any answers at this point. She knows that, 
you know, the, the metal is missing. And Rhoda probably has it. And Rhoda knows more mm-hmm. that she's letting on. And she's she's looking for some sense of closure uh, for her boys passing at this point. Because that was their only child. And at, at their age, she basically admitted, right. like, you know, we're, we're not going to try again. Anymore. We can't have another yeah. kid. Although Rhoda made a good point. Like, why can't they just adapt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they should consider that. My favorite uh, Diggle moment, though, was when, so she, in one of the visits, she enters the house. She's plastered. She asks for a drink, says, I'm not picky, but I'll take bourbon and soda. <laughs> so Christine brings her bourbon and she just takes the whole decanter. She takes it to the couch and she's drinking. And then she decides to lay down. She's like, I'm just gonna have a little lay down. <laughs> like puts her feet up, puts her head down on a pillow. And her husband's gonna be like, come on, honey, we can lay down at home. But I was like, man, that's uh, it's my kind of drunk. But yes, uh, that uh, yeah, great performance by uh, Mrs. Daigle. Fantastic. So at this point, we are at, let's see, second visit. But you know what? You were saying that you were thinking that she might kind of shake her a bit. But Mm -hmm. I think the whole point of the movie is how, like, nobody can bring themselves to not only admit that this child could do something bad, but do anything about it either. Right. You know, like, the most that the headmistress is like, "Uh, I'm not talking shit, but you should not come back. (laughs) So it was that that's, you know, pretty interesting, too. Mm hmm. All right, so after we we have the uh, the match swap happening, <laughs> uh, you know, Rhoda actually comes inside after presum- presumably buying her second popsicle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yo, what can I say? It's, it was probably a hot day. We don't, I don't know what time of the year it was, but if they're having a picnic, it was probably summer at this point in time, especially. She went back to kill the dude, dude. <laughs> yeah, she basically went outside to uh, show Leroy a thing or two after That's he right. had uh, constantly been threatening to uh call the police mm-hmm. uh because you know he 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 found the shoes or you know there was that was another scene where it's like a lot of back and forth between them where you know leroy thinks he's a lot smarter than he actually is which right. is hilarious to this because like he's trying to outsmart an eight-year-old but then like well, I, I feel like at times like he's even fooling himself <laughs> like it's such a weird dynamic well, he was, I mean, like, I kind of took him as a really, um, just, he, to me, he's a very jarring character. Like, he's not, like, he's already shown, like, signs of being, like, a little rapey with mom, right? But then the fact that he continues to have these weird interactions with an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. like, nonstop, and that he's so aggressive with her. Because, well, first of all, yeah, she's she's a little serial killer. I get that. But he doesn't know that. And he's still like kind of is just always going after her. And he the reason that he does so is because she's so um, like she's a she's really full of herself. Right. So she's uh, so she I don't even I'm trying to think of the word just uh, she's um, she's haughty. She's uh, well, well, just that she really she she acts very superior, particularly towards him. And that's something that drives him crazy. And so he's always sort of like going after her and trying to bother her. But that's like that gives me the creeps, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that, sh- that kind of dynamic should not exist between a grown man and an eight year old, you know? So that was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Leroy. You might have this one coming, mm-hmm. but yeah. Like, why, why don't you tell everybody what happened to him? Well, uh, basically everyone is hearing the shouting coming from somewhere within this building. And that's when, uh, Rhoda returns, uh, into the apartment complex after quote, Buying her popsicle, which definitely was not <laughs> what she was doing because she, uh, yep. she did swipe some of the matches. Uh, so the residents end up calling an ambulance and they basically pull Leroy from the basement 
Uh, and what had happened was, you know, Rhoda knows that he likes to sleep in a basement, and he likes to sleep on a pile of, uh, like, straw, basically. Whatever, like, they were using for, like, shipping... Called Excelsior or something? Pack packaging, yeah, like Excelsior or something like that. I wasn't... I didn't realize that was a word that they used for that. I was like, oh, shit. But it's like, you know, fluffy, you know, sort of, uh, uh very, very flammable mm -hmm. <laughs> fluffy material that he was using to uh, create a makeshift bed in the boiler room no it was uh, basement. basement yeah yeah and uh to sleep on the job basically and take yeah. little naps <laughs> yeah damn she burned him alive yeah Rhoda yeah. like even calls him out on that like i know you sleep down there instead of working up here she's like smart <laughs> <laughs> she's so smart <laughs> yeah so as all of the screaming is happening from leroy uh Rhoda's actually in her room playing the piano pretty loudly to like cover the voice oh, yeah. of the screams and it is just driving her mother up the Man. wall. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. She's losing it. <laughs> I mean, she to give her, you know, credit, like, I, I think I'd be in the same position, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> like, slowly realizing your kid's a killer, and then that she's, I don't know. It was... I was that was good. Like, I mean, I know her acting was uh, might have been a tad over the top, but considering the subject matter, I, you know, I will allow it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> saying yeah so after all of these incidents i'm trying to remember like how much further this is because i don't have anything in between that and uh the whole vitamin swap in regards oh. to the sleeping pills well right before that uh monica had brought down uh sleeping pills and vitamins because mm -hmm. at this point it's been several days i believe and christine has been putting two and two together and she is a wreck she's not sleeping she looks like crap and Monica's really concerned because she really cares about her. And so brings down, yeah, a, a, a bottle of vitamins and a bottle of sleeping pills. And of course, they're so... <laughs> have you heard of the term Chekhov's gun? Mm -hmm. It was very much that, where it's like, well, yep, that's going to be our future. <laughs> we're we're going to be seeing these again. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the character of Monica because she was so... She prided herself so much on being observant. And she was so... She was, uh, she crossed the line many times trying to pry information. Well, not pry information, but psychologically, um, um, what do you call it? Head shrinking Christine, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So asking her like all of these different questions about her, you know, um, I don't know, like all the different things that she thinks like, you know, what was that game that they play where uh, uh, association where you say one word and ask Christine to say whatever. Long story short, she's Christine is her little guinea pig when it comes to all these like psychological experiments that she does sort of like socially. Right. So she is done right. A, kind of a bully, but she does have a good heart. But for her to be so um, up in, pe in people's business and then not notice what's going on around her. I thought that was like pretty interesting, too. But anyways, yeah. So she brings down a bottle of sleeping pills and a bottle of vitamins. And then the Leroy thing happens. I think. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just I'm trying to see where I am in my in my notes. In your um, notes, I'm sorry. Yeah, so you know, this is when we start to see uh, the vitamins and the sleeping pills getting swapped out. And basically Mrs. Penmark is eventually going to give uh Rhoda some pills. Uh and mm -hmm. as all this is happening, like she just cannot stomach to look at Rhoda as she swallows uh what should be a lethal like a lethal dose of uh sleeping pills for a child. Uh, it so looked like a lot too. <laughs> it was quite a bit. Uh, so, you know, we have this exchange where you know Rhoda eventually confesses to, uh, you know, lighting Leroy's bed on fire, uh, you know, trapping him in the basement and all of that. 
And she made some solid points, though. She's like, Mom, he had the shoes, Mom. Yeah, like, I was just trying to cover <laughs> our to tracks. Go. Like, I did it for us. Exactly. Uh, so we see Christine carrying Rhoda off to bed, uh, and she returns to her room, and that is when we hear a gunshot go off from Christine's oh. room. Uh, that was bonkers. So, so, okay, at this point in the movie, I'm like, that's, that's it, right? Like, that would be... The, end. the perfect, <laughs> like, if you were going to have the most fitted ending for, like, this type of movie, I'm yeah, thinking the little girl dies from the lethal dose of pills. The mother shoots herself in the head. The end. Is that what happens? Good ending. No. Good ending. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. It's not that melodramatic. Uh, the gunshot is not actually fatal. Uh, as we are brought to the hospital where we have a worried Mr. Penmark awaiting in uh, kind of like the waiting room. Uh, so basically, we had this very quick response from Monica, uh, which allowed, you know, the EMTs or, you know, whoever was helping out to save Rhoda, which is one thing. So quick response time. They save the bad seed. Uh, all the meanwhile, poor Christine Pentmark is in a coma. So Yeah, she really messed that up. <laughs> you know, on both aspects. You know, maybe she should have went for a more quieter weapon to, you know, try, try to carry their plan out. But instead, part, it alerts Monica. <laughs> My favorite part was uh, you see Christine in the hospital after, you know, she's shot herself. And she's all bandaged up 1950s style, which is everything but the head. Or I'm sorry, everything but the face. Mm -hmm. But she's still got her pretty little face. I'm like, where did you shoot? Like, what? <laughs> sorry, it just blew my mind. I'm like, why Why did maybe, you blow your mind? <laughs> maybe she, like, grazed her neck or something. I guess. No, I'm not sure. Just, I don't know. I don't know how she missed. But she did. She made it. She survived. And uh, so did Rhoda. Yeah, so uh, Mrs. Penmark is dealing with this uh, coma at this point. Meanwhile, Mr. Penmark brings Rhoda back home. And we have this really, like, awkward exchange between her dad and uh, and Rhoda about <gasps> Monica, yes. specifically with her oh. pet bird. Basically, yes. Monica has promised Rhoda this pet bird once she passes away. Uh, but, you know, Mr. Penmark is just like... Look, like, she's not going to die for a very long time, so you don't have to worry about that. And then Rhoda, like, immediately questions, well, how long do birds live? Birds live. And then, like, you know, she, Monica, she's next on the list. Oh I'm going to get this bird. You know, that's that's my next moat. Like, that's the next thing I want in life. And I'm going to let nothing stand in between my way and off in Monica. And it's just like, this girl wow. is just, it's one one hit after the other. You know, she yeah, had, man. She had a brush with death, right? And then she's just immediately going to jump right back to where she left off. Amazing. But yeah, I loved it. How long do birds live? Longer than humans? I don't think so. Hmm. <laughs> that was great. I'm like, oh no, Monica. Get out. Ugh. But that is not the ending there. It gets even better. <laughs> yeah, so Rhoda decides to uh, sneak off in the middle of the night off to the pier. Uh, and that is because her mother had actually thrown the metal, the Raiden metal, back into mm -hmm. uh, the river where the boy had drowned. Uh, to get rid of the evidence. To yeah. get rid of the evidence, basically. <laughs> uh, so we, You know, place the metal back, yeah, where it where, should be where, where it was, right. 
Mm-hmm. That way it wasn't on uh, Rhoda or in their apartment complex. Uh, so we cut back to the hospital, and that's when we see Christine Penmark come in out of her coma. Uh, that was pretty quick, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and <laughs> Well, she clearly didn't do that much damage with that gun. <laughs> clearly not. Which begs the question of how she was in a coma in the first place. That's besides the point. But anyway, she calls home uh, to talk to her husband, uh, saying, you know, she's going to be all right. And then we cut back to the pier. You know, Rhoda is grabbing Mm -hmm. a net. She's trying to fish out this piece of uh, the metal. Uh, And what what happens? Quite literally, (laughs) God strikes her down (laughs) with lightning. With lightning. Oh my god! Oh, it was. I did not see that coming. I was so surprised, (laughs) and I I was I was literally gobsmacked. (laughs) You know, I had I had a very similar reaction. I see I see the lightning strike, Rhoda. You know, you see like, kind of like the pier me? collapse, right? And she like crashes into the water and then you see like the end credit hit. And I just sat there like, wait, what? <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> <laughs> she sneaks out. It, it's a it's a horrible thunderstorm, right? So it's mm-hmm. pouring rain. Her dad's asleep. <clears throat> and um, she puts on all of her rain gear, which was pretty adorable. So it's like a little yellow hat and sort of her little yellow coat and her little yellow booties and i was like where's she off to she's going off to the pier because she cannot let that motherfucking metal go that is her prize and she killed a boy for it and she really wants it like that blew my mind too i was like damn road is so dedicated but yeah and then boop, just you know guy just went boop (laughs) just killed her Oh my god, that yeah. was impressive. And we were talking about how, like, what a, a weird and awkward ending that was. And I was just reading a, um, um, some articles about the movie and how in the 1950s there was this rule that if um, a, a punishment such as murder like that, like all the murders that she had committed, they have to be punished in the movie. So there's got to be some justice that has to happen in the movie. They can't just let it go. And so I believe that that, that was added. Uh, Just a little, yeah. So a little act of God there. But I'm wondering now, because I don't know what the original entailed, uh, I'm wondering if the ending, the real ending was, you know, Rhoda, you know, is given sleeping pills and Christine shoots herself and boom, there's the end, which would be pretty impactful. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure in the the play production, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think both the mother and her survive. Oh, shit. If I'm not mistaken, because they did they did change the ending of the movie compared to the play. Uh, so there is still like the failed uh, murder suicide, like murder suicide attempt by the mom uh, and both of them end up surviving. Uh, okay. But, you know, that's, you know, seeing is just seeing the smite action, though, it's just like <laughs> that was not the something end. I was anticipating at all. And just the fact that the pier kind of like collapses on top of her, too, oh, was yeah. just the icing on the cake. He's, like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, shit, like that is a way to end the movie. And just <laughs> it was so baffling to me, too, because it's like. I didn't really know what to expect going into this, and I was very curious to see how a movie released in 1956 could hold up, knowing that we've kind of gone through different decades uh, in in regards to our movie selections for pedophobia. And 
you know, it's been look, a wild ride, T. Look I've at, loved looking it. back, like I have to say, like I we did pretty well. <laughs> was so pleasantly surprised by this movie, and it 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 has aged pretty well. And sure, like you don't have a lot of graphic incidents, like you know you can with some of the other movies that we we selected. But I I love just the amount of drama behind Rhoda her, herself, and I think one of my favorite exchanges uh, was between her and Leroy, and this was back when they were bickering back and forth about the location of the shoes in the incinerator, mm-hmm. where uh, she's basically like, you know, you've got them hid. And you better get them and bring them back right here to me, right? And Ooh. she's just snapping at at him, and just she she, it's it's so perfect because like she has like that look in her eyes. She's stomping her like feet on the ground, so she's standing like at attention, fine. and she's just staring daggers at you. And it is just so demanding of a presence on screen that yeah, it's absolutely. just it's something that is going to stick with you. I was like, damn it, Leroy, get the fucking shoes. <laughs> I was I was like, damn, Leroy, you really, really need to get those shoes and bring them back to her. Yeah, like she was, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. She did a fantastic job. I thought I read somewhere that uh, she was a little typecast after this. And she ended up doing like two other big movies that were, that were kind of revolved around the same idea. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like, you know, eh, the double-edged sword that she did such a good job that it kind of, you know, messed up uh, or did held back her career. I believe. Oh, interesting. But yeah, she killed it. She was awesome. No yeah. pun intended. I think the <laughs> other interesting thing that kind of happened at the very end was that other title card uh, saying like, you know, you've just watched a motion picture uh, that dares <gasps> to be uh, startlingly different. Uh, so maybe ask that you do not divulge the unusual climax of this story. And I'm <laughs> like, I don't know if that was like, hey, don't spoil how how this movie ends, or if it was just something so unique for the time that they felt like they needed that to be there. But one way or the other, like, what an ending. Like, I cannot think of a more fitting way to end the story outside of, like, you know, actually <laughs> the, the, the worst end of it. Like, if she did actually... Uh, cause her daughter to OD, and then she did actually successfully Yeesh. kill herself with a gunshot wound, which would be so like so much more dramatic and just <laughs> off-putting, but also very polarizing and would be certainly different than everything else that had happened in the 1950s for the genre. Right. Uh, but one way or the other, I I was happy. Like this has stood the test of time, and this is going to be a movie that I will recommend to people, even Yay. if they aren't. People who frequently like go out of their way to you know, watch black and like white to find older movies. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, let, let's you know, if we're completely honest, what some of the funnest stuff about horror movies is the the cinematography in terms of like bright colors, bloody mm-hmm. this, bloody that, and and it's just um, it, it, this is just a different type of this is a different flavor, and I really really liked it. So, how did you feel about all of the four movies put together? Was it four movies? Yes. No, like how did <laughs> so Tam- I blame it on Tampa? In <laughs> <laughs> Tampa, so well, yeah. What do you? How do you? I, I really enjoyed the the different ways that we sort of approached mm-hmm. uh, uh, Phobia. and it's just um, I'm I'm really happy the way that it came out. And I mean, if I were to compare her to some of the other kids that we saw in these movies, she gets pretty close to Bloody Birthday, but. 
uh, I don't, I mean, it's completely different, of course, but in terms of just like, yo, you know, just uh, out of nowhere kind of, you know, psychopath. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed the movie. Well, I'm glad we at what least got one that was more hereditary based Yar. in this case. So I feel like each week we really had a selection that offered uh, kind of like a different perspective of why this child is the way that they are. You know, whether it was from the cosmos of being born on a solar oh, eclipse, right? right? <laughs> because these guys are all Leos with a Libra moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, just processing grief as both an individual and as a family That's and right. pretending that your uh, your dead brother is with you at all times, you know? Oof. Oof. But all in all, a really fun first phobia. And, uh, you know, with that being said, next week we're going to be starting our second phobia selection. And I cannot wait for this one because out of every out of every phobia that we've jotted down, this one to me has the strongest candidates like of, of like movies to like choose from. Uh, we're going to be talking about technophobia so the fear or dislike (laughs) of advanced technology or complex devices especially when it comes to computers and you know the the options are limitless and i know for me personally uh, a movie that i've always enjoyed one that has held up extremely well and is very relevant to this day is videodrome so that is going to be our first selection uh, released in 1983. It's a Cronenberg movie. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, and if they haven't, what are you <laughs> waiting for? Because uh, we're going to be talking about it next week, and I cannot wait. This is one of my personal favorites, and just some really badass imagery that I cannot wait to dive into. Agreed. I'm very excited. And... Uh, uh, after watching so many killer kids, I'm ready to move past the killer kids as well. <laughs> I had a really good time, but let's move on to the tech. I mean, after you've gotten smited down by God, where else can you really go? Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and close out the show for tonight. If you guys want to help us out, please do us a favor and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. Let's know how we're doing and uh, what your favorite killer kid moment was. <laughs> Whether it's, you know, getting get smitten by God or uh, trying to, like, uh, keep your dead cat out on your coffee table. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. So many we weird know, things happening. We both know it's lamp. We both yes, know. Or throwing lamp. a lamp at a child. Like, everyone <laughs> loves lamp, right? Like, Definitely a highlight moment of any horror movie out there. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us. Let we know how we're doing. And if you're looking to contact the show, you can do so via email at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find our website at handlewithscarepod.com. We do have our community Discord, uh, which the link will be in our show notes. And of course, you can reach us over on Twitter at handlewithscare. But for now, everyone, that will do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare. Uh, I've been your host, Totally Drunk, joined, as always, by my co-host, Holly. And we will see you guys back next week as technology turns against us. Oof. See you next time.